really happy to be here this morning. It's, I think I, I've been here before, but it, it's different now. It's, I feel like I'm at a home in, in, Arkansas, in Arkansas. This is my other home in Arkansas. I, I'm really pleased with what the Lord has been doing in my life and in the life of our church family back home. Uh, it's, it's just, I just stand in awe that every time I think he's done something that really impresses me, he'll turn around and do something else. And so I'm really overwhelmed with what God is doing. Before I, I say anything, I want to ask my wife to stand up. And I don't know if you want to greet the people from down there or if you want to come up here and say something. Or <laughs> 27 years ago, the Lord gave me favor. And she fell in love with me. How can you not fall in love with me? <laughs> she fell in love with me 27 years ago, and she's the apple of my eye, the love of my life. I asked her from time to time, why did you fall in love with me? And she said, it was your anointing. So if it wasn't for my anointing, I guess I wouldn't be married. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm going to ask that you stand in with me in reverence to God's word. I want to share a word with you this morning. If you can open your, your Bible with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to read verse 1 and 2. Maybe 3. Depends how I feel. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3 says, For consider him who endured such hostility. I, I love that. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Spirit of the living God, I know that you're here this morning, Lord. I can feel your presence. <laughs> I thank you, Father. For what you are about to do. I thank you for what you're about to do in this house. Somebody doesn't even know what's about to happen. But Father, you woke them up this morning. You brought them here. And Father, that I could deliver this word. I, Father, I ask that you begin to work in their heart. I pray for anybody in this house, Father, that has drifted away backslidden or left you, Father. That this will be the morning that they come back to you, Father. I pray that you touch lives and touch hearts this morning. Let these people go home wobbling, drunk in the spirit, can't find my keys, don't know where my car is parked, Lord. And just bless them this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn around and tell somebody, I don't know about you, but I'm taking mine. If you don't watch out, I'll take yours too. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. I, 
I've been serving the Lord for 43 years in, in August 4th, which is the date that we're, we're coming over here, August the 4th. I will have fulfilled 44 years of ministry. I'm six years away from 50. I'm about to turn 18. And, uh, I, you know, I'm just really excited about what God has done. Uh, our church back home, our people, they are ever so grateful for all that this church has done for us. And uh, if you could just come to Harlingen and see, it, it, it's, it's a, a small chapel. In fact, about as big as this platform. It's a small chapel, and, and, but the presence of God is there. Isn't it funny how God can, can fit in a big church like this, and he'll fit in a little bitty chapel like the one we have back home? And I, I, I purposed in my heart, uh, as I was led by the Lord, to start a church in Harlingen that was English-speaking because I wanted to reach the generation of Hispanic that are losing the culture. They, a lot of our Hispanic kids don't speak Spanish anymore. And it happened to, to me with my sons because when I was in first grade, they, uh, I didn't understand Spanish. And I remember when I went to, to first grade, I, I, the teacher would speak to me in English and I would just look at her and, and uh, I learned some words. And I remember one morning the, the teacher said, please take out your books. And I thought she said police. And I knew what police was. And I was like six, seven years old, and I started crying, and I couldn't stop crying. And they had to call my parents, and my parents came to the, to the, to the school, and they, they to talk, what's wrong with you? You know, my mom wasn't like, what's wrong with you, dear? She was like, what's wrong with you? You know, and, and I'm like, you know, she's going to call the police. She said police. And my, my dad asked her, what, why, did you, why did you say police? And she said, no, no, I asked him to please take out so I didn't understand. So that really, I, I, I decided that when, when I had children, I was going to make sure that they knew English. That they would know the English language. But in the process of teaching them English, I forgot to teach them Spanish. <laughs> My kids got a C in Spanish in high school. That's a joke. It's not true. Don't. I'm not a bad father. But I thank God for... Uh, you know, he put that desire in my heart. And at, in this moment, we, we decided to start a church in Harlingen, Deep River Worship Center. And uh, it's everything. The worship is in English. The teaching's in English. And the preacher preaches in English also. He's an awesome preacher. He's a real good friend of mine. And God really uses him. Amen. I want to share it with you this morning. I, I want to talk to you about passion. Uh, at the moment, I'm writing a book titled, How to Be a Passionate Lover. I titled the book, How to Be a Passionate Lover. And it's not a Valentine's book or a book on marriage. It's, it talks about passion for God. You know, I, I looked up the meaning of the word passion. It's a strong feeling of enthusiasm, excitement for something or about doing something. A strong feeling such as anger that causes you to act in a dangerous way. A strong sexual or romantic feeling for someone. It uses synonyms such as fervor, ardor, obsession, 
infatuation, excitement, enthusiasm, zeal, and craves. And there's some crazy people out there. <laughs> See, in my trajectory as pastor and as an evangelist, I've traveled all over this great country, Canada, Mexico, Central and South America. I've been able to, to minister the Word of God. God has placed me in some of the greater pulpits in this nation. I've preached in some of the largest churches. And I'm not bragging. It, I'm just so humbled that God would choose me out of so many to do this. And, and I thank God that he gave me the, 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 that, the privilege of delivering his word everywhere I go. But everywhere I go, I always ask people, how many in this house love God? How many in this house love God? See, and, unlike, you know, like here, I get a big crescendo. Amen! Let's try that. A big crescendo-like. This side is really loud. Amen. A big crescendo-like. Amen. When I say, how many of you love God? Amen. See, but that's not the question that we should pose. The question should be, do you burn for him? Do you burn for him? Are you on fire for him? Do you desire for him? Do you seek him? From the time I began my ministry, I was taught that I should pursue after it with passion. From the moment I, I started, I decided to preach, I was told, you, you got to go after it with a passion. Don't, don't give up. Don't relent. You, you, you got to do this. You, you can't let nothing get in your way. You, you've got to do it. You got to run the race. A lot of us want to lose weight, but we don't want to run. Do I look like I run? Running, you know, people will ask me, how, how did you lose all that weight? They'll ask you, how, how do you lose all that weight? Well, you know, I changed my eating habits. How? You know, no tortillas. No tortillas. Oh, I see. No sweets. Oh, no sweets either. What about Cokes? No Cokes. And every once in a while, I'll run. Oh, you got to run. I saw a t-shirt the other day that said, uh, diet and exercise. I thought you meant french fries. <laughs> Pursue is synonymous with words like follow, chase, shadow, practice, hunt, and track. And as a tenacious hunter goes after his prey, we should go after God's purpose in our lives. We should seek God with a voracious appetite. Get up, get up every morning. This is the day, Lord. This is the day that I'm going to get a word for, for my life. You're going to give me. And I'm not talking about just any word. I'm talking about the word for the situation that I am going through right now. That's the word we want. That word that's, you know, because some of you are listening to this message and some of you are, are writing it down and some of you are, are just watching, what's he doing up here? You're listening to what I have to say, but, and, and maybe you're not going to uh, capture all the words that I say, but there's something that I'm going to say that's going to jibe with your spirit and you're going to say, that's it. That's the word I was waiting for. That's what I wanted to hear, Lord. That's what I needed. That one was for me. Have a 
pastor friend of mine in a little town in New Mexico called Mountaineer. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's up on top of the mountain, of course, Mountaineer. It, it, on Highway 60, Mountaineer, uh, inhabitants about 500 people. If you, if you blink, you'll miss the town. The mayor, the mayor is a judge, and he's the, the uh, <laughs> city councilman, and he's everything in that plumber, everything in that in the town. Real small town. And there was this, there's this little Assembly of God church there, Hispanic Assembly of God church there. And, and it, it, it had a, a small group of people. And in that small group of people was that one lady. There's always that one lady that comes to church. She observes everything. She hears everything. She knows everything. And every time the pastor would preach, she would come to the pastor after the service and say, Pastor, that was an awesome service. These people needed to hear this. I'm glad you preached this because these people needed that message. That message was for them. And she never took any of it for herself. And one day a blizzard. There was a blizzard. And a lot of people didn't come. In fact, nobody came to church except for her because she lived across the street from the church. So she showed up that day and pastor saw her. He goes, now I got you. And he started preaching that message and pounding the pulpit and walking back and forth and raising his voice. And the lady would fidget and she would move from side to side. And she'd look behind her, see if there was anybody else there. And she was just, and when the message was over, after the service, she tells the pastor, Pastor, that was an awesome message. Those people don't know what they missed. <laughs> you have to take what's yours. You have to run with it. Look at this. We have to seek him, seek him, even wrestle, wrestle with him as Jacob did till the early hours of the morning. When you have passion for something, you don't relent. When you have a passion for something, and when we talk about passion, right away we think about desire. When we talk about passion, passion, oh yeah, I have a lot of passion. I'm passionate. And we think we're talking about desire. And, and, and it might be somewhat right. But I, when, I think when you talk about passion, the, the Greek word that, that defines passion is pashko, which means suffering. Oh, look at you. Some of you looked at me like you're on jeopardy. And I think that's what Christ was talking about. Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to follow him no matter what the cost? What are you willing to give up? You know, thanks to, 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 to Pastor, we, we are now teaching our, our church. We're teaching them on lordship and 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 they are really eating it up and one of the things that i told the church is you can't give god just some of you i preached to the church and i told them in fact i told this one lady i told her you know what sis i'm giving you my house you can have my house it's yours took out the keys you can have the house it's, you, it's, it's your house and she looked at me like i was crazy i go i'm not kidding you can have my house and she said okay she got the keys and I said, but there's some conditions. I'm going to give you my house, but you can't have the closets. And you can't have two of the bedrooms because those are still mine. And, and you, in the living room, you can use it every once in a while. And the kitchen, you have to use it. You can use it only if you ask for me permission. You can't park your car in my driveway. But you can have the house. It's yours. 
And, and she looked at me and I go, sis, is this your house? And she said, no, still yours. That's what we do to God. We tell the Lord, you can have my heart, but don't take my past with you. I'm not going to give you my past. I'm not going to give you my hurts. I'm not going to give you the bitterness. I'm not going to give you the things that, 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 that are still hurting me. I'm not going to surrender anything else to you. I'm just giving you the vessel. That's it. But the content still belongs to me. When you decide to serve God with passion, you give it your all. Lord, I'm going to follow you no matter what. And sometimes it, it backfires. Well, not like Peter. Peter. Peter told the Lord, Lord, I'll follow you no matter what. And Jesus told him, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. But passion is a fuel. Passion is adrenaline. Passion propels you to the next level. It drives you. In, in my trajectory as pastor, I, I've, I've counseled so many married couples that are going through problems in their marriage. And it's really hard when you're a pastor to, to, to counsel a married couple because nobody wants to be wrong. And you don't want to be a referee. You know, you don't want to walk into the office and say, let's get ready to rumble. You don't want to do that. So you have to listen to them. You have to listen to what they have to say. I had a guy come in the office one time and, and said, come here. And he had his wife by then. Come here. Pastor, I want you to tell her what the Bible says about her submitting to me. Only the women were in awe. The men are like, that's the way it should be. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't say amen all night till I said that. I want you to tell her, show her in the Bible. I want you to show her where the Bible says that she has to submit to me. And I'm like, Lord, cancel all my appointments because it's going to be a long night. <laughs> you know, when I, when I counsel these, 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 these couples, they don't ever come to you at the onset of the problem. They always come when the problem is out of hand. So they want you to put out this huge fire with a seltzer bottle. <laughs> And the fire's already raging. I always pose this question. Do you love him? Do you love her? Why do you want to split up? Do you love him? Don't you love her? And I always get the same answer. And it never ceases to amaze me. The answer is always, yes, I love him. I love her, but I don't feel anything for them. How can you love somebody and not feel anything for them? Love is the greatest of the three. Love endures forever. How can you love somebody and not feel anything for them? There's something missing in that marriage. It's called passion. And something happened to that passion because you had that passion when you were dating. Remember how you used to sell aluminum cans, Coke bottles to put gas in the little jalopy so you could go all the way. And she lived out of town. You would drive up there hoping that you didn't run out of gas just so you could see your love interest. You wanted to see them. You wanted to be with them. You would write letters. Oh, I can't wait till we're together. You would stay on the phone talking till the hours of the morning. Till, and you would fall asleep with the phone on your ear till you heard, if you'd like to make a call, please hang up.
Nobody could, could stop you from seeing that person that you loved. Even your father-in-law. If I catch you with my daughter, you didn't care. Passion drove you. Passion moved you. Passion made you undaunted. You weren't afraid any, about dying. If I die, I'm going to die for love. You couldn't stand to be away from each other. Everywhere you looked, you saw her, you saw him. Oh, look at that cloud. It looks like my honey. <laughs> Eating a taco de tortilla. That looks like my honey. I'm not going to eat that right now. I'll save that. Passion. It almost makes you crazy. Passionate people don't resemble anybody else. They don't look like anybody else. They don't act like anybody else while others are sleeping. Passionate people are up seeking God. While others are eating, passionate people are fasting. Jesus told his disciples were concerned that he was not going to eat. And they told him, Master, do you want us to bring you back something to eat? And he said, I have a, a better food to eat than what you're eating. Oh, my God. We got McDonald's and he got Logan's again. Passion makes you look beyond the pain. Passion makes you look beyond the ridicule. Look at, look at what it says in Hebrews. It says he looked beyond what the sinners were saying about him, what people were saying about him. He looked beyond the cross to the prize. He looked beyond the cross to the prize. If you don't look beyond your cross, your cross will kill you. But if you look beyond your cross, your cross will propel you into the purpose that God already has for you. See, everybody carries a cross. Everybody has a cross. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Everybody has a cross. Your cross could be lack of education. Your cross could be finances. Your cross could be maybe you stutter. Or maybe your cross is sitting next to you right now. I know you don't want to say it. We'll talk about it after this. We'll Some of you guys are just looking at me like. Your cross. If you can endure the suffering of your cross. If you want to talk about passionate lovers. My Jesus was a passionate lover. That's the fire that burns inside of you. It's the fire that is ignited in you. And maybe in some of you, it, it, it's already died. It's just mere embers. But don't be afraid. The Holy Spirit, the wind of the Holy Spirit will blow on those embers and reignite the passion that is in you. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Give him a hand. Give him praise. There's a song that that, that we used to sing back in the 90s. I, I don't know if y'all knew it. I didn't make it up. But it, there's a song that, that we sang in the 90s. Back around 97. I, I heard it on Rod Parsley. The first time I ever heard this song. And I don't know if Pastor Randy's ever taught it to you guys. But the song says. All I want to do is love you. All I want to do is worship you. All I want to do is lay here, right at your feet. As I lift my hands towards heaven, let your fire fall down on me. But there's a part where it says, 
Rekindle the fire within me, Lord. Can you say it this morning? Rekindle the fire within me, Lord. Once again. And it just repeats itself over and over again. It's like that song that never ends. Leviticus chapter 6. God said, and the fire, 6.13, and the fire and the altar will burn continually. The fire on the altar will burn continually. It shall not be quenched. It was the duty of the priest to keep that fire going. Taking out the ashes, keep the wood in there to keep the fire going. Night and day, day and night, rain or shine, like, kind of like the post office, sleet or snow. You cannot allow problems to quell the fires that are inside of you. You cannot allow people to quell the fire that is inside of you. The situation that you're going, you cannot abort the seed that is in you because... It got too rough. Who cares if they don't like you? Who cares if they don't support you? You're not running a popularity contest and you're not running for public office. You can't allow the situation that you're going to to put out that fire. Remember that song? Some of you, some of these kids don't remember that song because maybe they, they do. Maybe your parents taught it to you. But there was a, a song that I learned in vacation Bible school when I was about nine years old. And when I sing it, they're all going to go like, oh, I know that song. It, it, it said, this little light of mine, yeah, I'm going to let it. This little light of mine. There's a part in that song that says, don't let Satan put it out. See, we didn't sing it like that, though. I went to a black uh, Church of God, AME Church in Lubbock, Texas. And it was, don't let Satan put it out. <laughs> Had this lady with a big old hat with a wide rim, bouncing on the upright piano. That's the first time I ever heard what a friend we have in Jesus sang the right way. Because <laughs> they used to think in my church, they used to think, what a friend we have in Jesus. I walked into the church. What a friend we have in. Get you excited. You know you're, you know that you're in, in a church that, that when you start tapping your feet. I saw some of you when they were singing. You know, some of you were like. I mean, you got those like us that don't know, like me, that don't have any rhythm. Like, but I don't even have, the only time I have rhythm was like Lawrence Welk. Here, I, I, let me close with this. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior at the age of 15. I was 15 years old. I came from a dysfunctional family. My, my father, he, 
he was a very violent man. He didn't play around. You know, we were talking about that back there. You know, like, my dad didn't count because he didn't finish school. You know, like most parents, like, Johnny, sit down. One, two. He didn't do that. He didn't get past the second grade, so he didn't know how to count. It was just wham, and that was it. It wasn't me. Excuse me. Wham. He, if he would hit somebody. Sometimes if nobody fessed up, he would spank all of us. That way he made sure he got the right person. My dad had big hands. He had big, uh, his, his ring size was a size 15 ring. Big old sausage fingers. And he didn't play. When my mom, you know how, how your mom tells you, wait in your room, till your, wait till your father gets home. I don't know if moms still do that, but my mom would get, get into the room and just wait till your father comes home. And I would sit in that room just nervous because I knew I was going to get it. And, you know, he, never, he would never walk in the door and go straight to the room and beat me. He would sit down and eat first. <laughs> and from the room, you could hear, hear them talking. <laughs> what? <laughs> Set fire to the cat. <laughs> And I would sit on that bed like, like a prisoner on death row. Has the governor called? Has the governor called? Has the governor called? I was just nervous. And he, would, he wouldn't play around. My dad was a no-nonsense guy. That's just the kind of person that he was. And I feared him. I got into some trouble as I was a kid. Went to reform school, in and out of reform school. And at the age of 15... I got arrested for attempted burglary. I was breaking into a McDonald's. I wasn't hungry. <laughs> but I was breaking into a McDonald's. And it's funny because the guy that arrested me, he had this big old afro and a yellow shirt with a smiley face that said, have a nice day. <laughs> and, and they arrested me. And I spent three days in, in jail. You know, it's funny because all the other parents came and picked up their kids and my dad showed up. And when I saw my dad, you know, I did that walk where you think you're all bad. I was like. And he looked at me. He goes, you better put your head down. Stop looking. Stop eyeballing me, boy. And I was like, yes, sir. I didn't come to take you out. I came to let you know that I'm going to leave you here till you rot. And he walked away. The judge sentenced me to 18 months probation. But it was in that probation that the Lord got a hold of me. I, saw, I heard music. I heard music and I saw this tent. So I thought either, either there's a circus in town or there's a concert. I got to go see. But what they, where there's music, there's instrument. Maybe I can steal a guitar. That night, the Lord saved me. I was 15. I started preaching at the age of 15. I, I was called to preach. I started preaching like three months after I was saved. I was already preaching. I wanted to preach. And my first sermon, I sent everybody to hell. How many people here from the 70s, my, from my time, the 70s? You know the messages back then. If you, women, if you wear pants, you're going to hell. Men, if you have long hair, you're going, you're going to hell. Women, if you wear makeup, you're going to hell. The only way to be holy was to dress holy. And women had to wear long sleeve dresses with long skirts and the neck up to here. And, and they had no makeup. It, they, they weren't holy. They were just hot. And I don't mean that metaphorically. 
They were literally hot. I don't preach against makeup. God knows some women need it. Bad evangelist. Bad, bad. And, and that, I got saved. And, and I went to Bible school. I decided to go prepare myself. I went to Bible college. And, and, I, and I studied. And right after, you know, when you're in Bible college, on your, your final year of Bible college, you have these aspirations. And, and you have visions of what you're going to be like. And you see yourself in a big church in Beverly Hills. And you're going to be driving a Porsche. And everything's going to be just. God doesn't tell you that he's going to send you to Hooterville. <laughs> Population 30. You got five people and only one of them saved and they still cuss and they sit in the back row right after bible school my 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 spiritual father the man who adopted me he spoke to my father and he told let me talk to the judge let me ask the judge to give give me guardianship of him let me take him with me because i knew that if i stayed where i was i wasn't going to remain saved so i moved in with this family and this family was really weird because in our family we didn't hug unless you were trying to strangle somebody but we didn't hug there, there, there was no hugging we we you know and this family they they would hug each other and and they would kiss the the mom on the cheek and the dad on the hand and and i saw them. the first time one of them hugged me i'm like i knew what a flauta felt like and i remember that it was my last day of a bible college and my spiritual father told me you know son I'm going to take you with me to the revival that I'm having in Victoria, Texas. And so I want you to come with me right, right fresh out of Bible school. I just graduated on Friday, Saturday morning. We're on the road to Victoria. And when we get to Victoria, and when we get there, the, a storm has blown the, the tent down. It's tore it to pieces. There's no tent. They're just a bunch of chairs. And they had been having service under the, the stars because a storm, a tornado, whatever it was, had ripped the, the tent to shreds. And they had sent one of the, the, the men in the church to go buy another tent. And it just so happened that he took all the money in petty cash and left nothing for us. He took it all for gas money and just left us broke. The next morning, I've always, I love to cook. I, that's, that's my hobby. I love to cook. I'm an awesome cook. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an awesome cook. I, I love to cook. And if you follow me on, on Facebook, you'll see pictures of some of the food that I cook. And I, 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 I want to open up a catering company one of these days. For pastor's 50th wedding anniversary. I want to open a catering. And, and I, I love to cook. And, and I asked my, my, my spiritual father. I asked him, Dad, do you want me to, to, to make you breakfast? And he said, yeah, go ahead. What do you want? He goes, make me those huevos rancheros. And, and I went to the, to the little camper trailer. And, and, I, and I looked and I looked. And I couldn't find any grease, cooking grease or, or cooking oil. And I went back and I told him, we don't have any cooking oil. Or, and he said, that's fine. Just poach them for me. Just make them in water. That's fine. And I said, okay. So I went back inside. And when I tried to turn on the stove, it didn't turn on. And I went back and I told him, there's no propane. And he looks at me and he says, well, I guess we're going to fast today. Now, let me tell you something. I wasn't hungry till he said, let's fast. I, I didn't even want to eat breakfast until he said, let's fast. That word triggered my hunger. There's something about let's fast that triggers your hunger. There's something about I'm fasting that triggers everybody's I want to take you out to breakfast mode. <laughs> Y'all know. Huh? 
Nobody invites you out to eat till, till you're fasting. And they don't, they're not going to take you to the I want to take you to the egg and I. I want to take you somewhere. Not, you're like. He said, let's fast. I guess we're just going to fast. So I went into the trailer and I was already frustrated. And I was angry because now I was hungry. And I'm sitting there in the back of the little camper trailer. And I could hear out the window. I could hear my, my dad praying. And he's praying a prayer like this. I heard him say, Lord, your servant is hungry. Send me an angel to feed me this morning. And just hearing him pray like that just triggered my prayer mechanism. And I began to pray because I heard him speaking in tongues and worshiping God. And I began to worship God and, and worshiping God and my stomach. And I, was free and, my, and I was worshiping God. I was just worshiping God. And he calls me and he says, Gino, get out here. I need to talk to you. Come out here. And I go outside and, and I sit next to him. He goes, sit right here with me. He goes, God is going to send us somebody to feed us. Somebody's going to come and they're going to give me $100 so we can eat this morning. So I'm sitting there waiting, 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 you know. And I see this real nice uh, uh, Cadillac drive up, real blue Cadillac, real beautiful Cadillac Fleetwood uh, drive up into the, the, the campsite. And, and this man gets out, but he has no money. He doesn't intend to give us an offering. He's just a looky-loo. You know what a looky-loo is? They just come to look around. Hey, what happened? The tent fell down and asking all these questions. And he's just asking. And I'm just looking at his wallet to see if he's going to pull it out. And finally, okay, pastor, we'll see you. And he, and he leaves. And then this other truck can, comes and has all these hoses in the back. He's an exterminator. And he said, pastor, I came to kill the ants. I put some of this on the anthills around the, there's a, I don't know about here in Arkansas, but over there in South Texas, we have fire ants. Of course, we don't call them fire ants. We call them far ants. Because if you go and say, I have fire ants. What? Fire ants? You have to say far. I have far ants. We don't say pie. We say pie. You want a piece of pie? We don't say pie. He said, I'm going to put this on the far ends. He said, and he, he's, he, he just does his job, but he doesn't leave any money. And a few minutes later, this other truck drives up, and you can hear the rattling of the fender. And he's coming up the road. And this man comes out, and he walks up to, to my dad, and he tells him, Man of God, I was eating breakfast, and the Holy Spirit told me my servant is hungry. Go and feed him. And he gave my father $20, uh, five $20 bills, folded up like that, gave it to him. And he went away, and my, my dad takes out the money and gets, pulls out a 20, goes, get $20 worth of grease, and get $20 worth of propane, and get $20 worth, started throwing money at me. And then he scoops it up, and, and he puts it in, 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 in his pocket. He goes, come on, I'm just joking. I'm going to treat you to breakfast this morning. And, and he took me to breakfast, and now I'm happy. Now I'm dun, 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 dun. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm just a woo. I'm happy because we're going to, not Pharaoh happy. I'm just happy. And, and you know what, the, the, after we, we ate breakfast, you know, it's, it's funny because we, we'll sit there and complain about what God hasn't done and why God hasn't moved. And when he moves, we act like we knew he was going to move all the time. Oh, I'm not the only one. <laughs> I was so upset. But I was happy now because I had eaten. And with that toothpick in my teeth, I'm looking at my dad and I'm like, isn't God great? And he told me, son. 
When I told you that we were going to fast, your face changed. I saw that look on your face, that frustration. And I said, Lord, let me teach him something. He said, let me teach him something, Lord. And he said, so I, I began to pray and, and the Lord provided. And I want to tell you something. In ministry, there's upsides and there's downsides. There's good times and there's bad times. There's times of plenty and there's times of lack. But you need to know that no matter what time you're in, God is still God. Say that to yourself. No matter what time I'm in, no matter what time zone I'm in, God is still God. He's God in times of plenty. He's God in times of lack. He's God in times of want and in times of need. And he's a God in times of abundance. He's God in the good times and he's God in the bad times. He's God when people love you and he's God when people hate you. He's, he's, he's God when people praise you and he's God when people talk about you because he will always be God. See, Psalm 126 says, this is how you serve God. He says, we shall go forth Walking and weeping. They shall go forth. That's how you serve God. You, you walk and you weep and you walk and you weep. And the people behind you are talking about you, pointing at you with their finger, telling you that you're no good. And, and they, uh, people don't like you and they hate you, but you're walking and you're weeping because you know that in the end, you're going to receive a crown. Passion. Your passion has to be greater than what you're going through. Your passion has to be greater than the need that you have. Your passion has to be greater than the situation that you are in right now. Can I get an amen in this house? Your passion has to be greater than the enemy that you face. It should be strong enough to propel you, to move you, to launch you, to take you into what God has already. I came all the way from the hot and humid land of Harlingen, Texas, to tell you that passion is necessary to take you for what God has already prepared for you. Everybody in this room has a purpose. Everybody in this room, God already designated something for you. It's up to you if you want to do it. If you're going to allow things to, to dissuade you, then you're never going to get there. Some people say, when am I going to arrive at my blessing? How do you expect to arrive if you haven't left yet? You've got to leave. There's got to be an exodus in your life. You've got to leave so that you can arrive. Stand to your feet with me this morning. That morning in Victoria, Texas, totally changed me. I've taught that to my children. And I've told them, no matter what, God will always meet your need. You know, our people are just so thrilled about meeting you guys. The small group in Harlingen, Texas... They all want to come because they want to meet you guys. Last month we sold brisket sandwich. We know this guy who makes awesome brisket. And we sold $1,700 worth of brisket sandwiches. We're raising money so we can be here. It's going to take us about $8,000 to get here. But we're going to get here. And they're all coming from Harlingen, Texas to thank this church 
nobody has ever done for our church. What you guys have done for us. And I know they were here this morning, they would say, how grateful. Y'all could have gone anywhere else. Y'all could have, could have gone anywhere else, but y'all chose us. I never called pastor and say, pastor, I need your help. I never called Brian and said, Brian, I need your help. I, I didn't call anybody. I just called Jesus. And my words were, Lord, am I done here? We were meeting in my living room. And I said, Lord, are we done here? Is, is this it? You told me to start this church and this is it. And I had no sooner said that. When I get a phone call, we want to go and help you. Isn't God great? Because God doesn't know distance. God doesn't know cell phone minutes. He will walk on top of the devil himself to get to you. I came to tell you this morning that you have no business doing what you're doing unless you have a passion for what you do. I asked my spiritual father one day, how do you know that that you're a pastor. How do you know that that's, that's what you want to be? I was telling pastor this yesterday. I told him, how do you know that you're a pastor? He says, when you drive down the street and you see a building and you think to yourself, that'd make a good church. Yesterday, I saw so many buildings. I kept, there's a lot of churches here in, in Arkansas. We're meeting in our garage. One of these days, we're going to have our building. One of these days, we're going to build our church. And we're going to invite all of y'all to come down. Y'all can stay at my house. All of y'all. Lord, light the fire in me. Tell him that this morning. Lord. Whether it be in my marriage, if, if the passion is out of my marriage, ignite the fire. Let me burn for you, Father. If I don't burn for you like I used to, if all there is is embers, allow the Holy Spirit to blow on them, Father. Come on. I see some hands going up. I see those hands. Raise up your hands and say, Lord, set me on fire. Ignite the passion in me, Father. Let me burn for you. I don't just want to love you. I don't, I don't just want to worship you. I don't just want to be right here at your feet. Rain down the fire upon me. And the song says it. The song says it. All I want to do is love you. All I want to do is worship you. All I want to do is lay here, right at your feet. As I lift my hands towards heaven, come on, raise them up. Let your fire fall down on me. Rekindle the fire within me, Lord. Once again, all I want to do is love you. Say it with me. 
All I want to do is worship you. All I want to do is lay here right at your feet. As I lift my hands towards heaven, let your fire fall down on me. Rekindle the fire within me, Lord, once again. Very quickly, very quickly. Is there anybody in this room that will say, Pastor Lalina, I hear what you're saying. I used to burn for God. I used to be on fire for Him. But here lately, I've allowed things to get in between me and God. I've allowed other things to get in the way. I've, I've turned away from Him and I've looked at other things. But this morning, I want to reignite the passion that I had for God. I want to love Him like I did before. I want to serve Him like I did before. And, and I just want to ask Him forgiveness for turning away from Him. I want to come back to Him this morning. Come on, come on. Let me pray with you. I will pray with you. I will personally step down here and I will pray with you. Just step out. Of, all you got to step out of your chair right now. Quickly. 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 Thank you, sis. Anybody else? Anybody else that will say, I don't, I, I, I'm ser I serve God. I've been serving God. I come to church. But here lately, I feel myself getting cold. I feel myself just kind of drifting away from him. I want you to ignite the fire that is in me, Lord. Once again. Come on, sweetie. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? Anybody else? I know that it's not just the women. I know there's got to be a man that can look beyond his pride and say, you know what? I'm not too proud to admit that I've been weak. I've allowed myself to, to wax cold. I want you to ignite the fire in me. Father, right now, right now, Lord, right now, I'm coming back to you. Tell him I'm coming back to you, Lord. I'm asking you, Father, to reignite the fire in me. I'm asking you, Lord, to reignite the flames that are inside of me. If it's just embers, allow the Holy Spirit to blow on these embers and cause them to reignite. As I lift my hands from to heaven, let your fire just fall down on me this morning, Father. Rekindle the fire that is within me, Lord, once again. Let me burn for you, Jesus. Let me burn for you, Father. Father, I, I serve as, 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 as Sunday school teacher. I serve on the worship team. I serve as a leader. But I, sometimes I don't feel like I, I, I enjoy what I'm doing. Father, if I'm not doing what I should do, then I'll pull away. But if the devil, I've allowed the devil to put out the fire, let me burn for this once again. Let me burn for souls. Let me burn, Lord, for your presence. Let me burn for you. Let me desire you. Let me chase after you. Let me pursue you this morning, Father. I ask you this in Jesus' name. I give you glory. I give you honor. And I give you praise this morning. Somebody give God a praise offering in this house.